0: All right, today we are talking about negotiating. And I don't care if you're old, young, middle-aged, you are negotiating every day. You don't have to be a salesperson to negotiate. Today we're going to talk about negotiate like a pro and get what you want more often.
1: You're listening to the Productive Not Busy Podcast where our mission is to make you more money so you'll have less stress and more free time. It's all about mindset, attitude, and taking action. And your host, Wayne Weathersby, knows how to make that happen. He's negotiated and closed over $150 million in contracts while building businesses with proven success strategies that he wants to share with you. So if you're ready to make some real money, Then let's get to it. Here's Coach Wayne.
0: You negotiate every day, even if you don't realize it. So whether it's asking for a raise, choosing a restaurant to meet for lunch, or bargaining with your angry teenager, right? You're You're a negotiator. Negotiation skills have been more important never in history. There are fewer good jobs available, right? And there's all kinds of conflict in the world. All that's pretty commonplace. But while negotiations are common, bargaining effectively doesn't come easily to some people. Some people just don't get it. I was in the automotive industry for 20 plus years. There were some people that just could not negotiate. It was awful to watch. Most negotiations are ineffective, honestly, and they take way too long. Good negotiation skills must be both learned and developed. Only way to get better is get experience. Relationships of all types can be permanently harmed by stupid, common negotiating, disasters so for me negotiations can be judged on three character criteria how well does the agreement meet the needs of both parties right it's not all about you if you put your customer out of business due to your high prices you lose a customer or they might choose to go somewhere else next time Next is the agreement efficient. Not only should an agreement be reached in a reasonable amount of time, it should also be practical and workable. Too many unnecessary details create an agreement that's difficult to comply for either side, and it's hard to enforce. The relationship between the parties should be improved or at least maintained. So if the relationship is harmed in any way, it's not an ideal agreement. If you get what you want, but you lose your best long-term client or infuriate the other person, the negotiation was not successful. Many negotiations fail if measured by this set of criteria. You might not be negotiating a multimillion dollar deal every week, but you do negotiate every day with those around you. The same concepts still apply. Learn to negotiate effectively and you'll get more of what you want and strengthen your relationships at the same time. There's a saying that says, many believe effective networking is done face-to-face, building a rapport with someone by looking at them in the eye, leading to a solid connection and foundational trust. So how do you establish rapport? Without rapport, communication isn't happening. It's not happening at the highest level. It's actually not happening at any level. Those people that everyone seems to like, the the people that have the great charisma are the masters at establishing and maintaining rapport. You don't have to be born with a gift of gab. The techniques of creating rapport are well-established. With the proper information and some practice, you can become an expert communicator. Establish rapport and strengthen your negotiating position is really set up like this. Speak more slowly. When you speak too fast, you sound like you're a used car salesman. Ha ha. Those those people that speak rapidly are often viewed as less trustworthy. Slower speech puts people at ease. However, you don't want to speak too slow. If the other person is thinking, I wish this person would hurry up and freaking tell me what they're saying. Right? Don't build me the clock, just tell me what time it is. You're not building rapport effectively. So you want to evoke sympathy or assistance. We feel closer to someone when we feel sorry for them or provide or we can provide some kind of assistance. We enjoy being sensitive and altruistic. It's good for the ego. Be open with the other person and allow yourself to be vulnerable. And it really that is, that is a skill. You can ask him for a favor, even if it's just for whatever, right? Hey, can I have a glass of water? That's one of my favorite lead generation tools. You can call up somebody, even if you haven't spoke to them in a while and say, Hey, Bob, I need your help. You got a second. Almost inevitably the greed of knowing what you need help with will make them say yes. Once they say yes, they can't tell you, they can't talk. But if you say, hey, you got a minute, that gives them a choice of, hey, no, not right now. I'm not, I'm good, man. I'm kind of right in the middle of something. Just a little note there. Deep trust and rapport require one of three things. Consider the people that are closest to you. There's a good chance they do at least one of these three things. They justify your failures for you. It's not your fault that you didn't, you know, that didn't work out. It's not your fault you couldn't get that loan. The banks aren't loaning money to anyone, right? Or they throw stones at your enemies. Matt is the worst boss ever. I heard he's been fired from the last three jobs he's had. Or they help you feel more positive about the future. Things are going to get better. You've got so much going for you. You're the smartest person I know. I'm sure you have some of those people in your life. So next listening, whether you want to be a great salesperson, become the most popular person, you know, listening is the key. Hardly anyone listens intently anymore. Everybody listens to respond instead of listening to learn. The average person is way too busy scrambling for the next thing to say. It's not possible to listen at the same time, or they already know what they're going to say and they're impatiently waiting so they can take their turn. No matter how suave you think yourself to be, others can be easily, or other people can easily notice when you're not listening to them. I promise. Give the other person your full undivided attention. People can tell. You got to validate the other person's opinion too. After listening intently, validate the other person's opinion and thoughts. It's not necessary to agree with them, but acknowledge that you understand their point of view. Right? They can say, oh, well, you know, we just, it's just way too hot to sit outside and eat. Hey, I totally understand where you're coming from. It is kind of hot out there. So if you want to sit and wait for a few minutes, that would be great. And we'll see if we can find you somewhere cool to sit. Right? Most people would say, "Eh, sorry, we don't have any seats inside. That's a lost skill, lost customer, bad experience. Ask questions that you know you're interested in and want to understand better. How, why, when, and where can lead to a high level of rapport. Take the time to find out more about what they just said. You'll be amazed by the response you receive. You may be the first person that has shown interest in what they have to say. How about that? Next, super easy, just smile. It may sound simple and trite, but we naturally respond positively to someone that looks us in the eye and shows us a genuine smile. Next is one of the old school ideas. you got to mirror the other person. Adopt the other person's body language as your own. Be careful, though. You don't want to be viewed as a mime or mimicking or mocking them. Sit or stand in a similar fashion. Have similar gestures and mannerisms. Use similar vocabulary. You can test how well you're mirroring by attempting to lead the other person. Scratch your nose or sit back and see if they do the same. When you have a high degree of rapport, they'll mirror exactly what you're doing. It's the strangest thing. Back in 1993, when I first got in the car business, the gentleman that trained me used to rattle the change in his pocket. And it was amazing that he could get other people to do the same thing. These simple techniques can be done by anyone. Smile, be pleasant, give your full attention. You know, there's a little else required to build rapport. Imagine dealing with someone that displayed those three simple traits. You'd be thrilled to spend time talking to them. Give rapport the attention it deserves. Your negotiations will be much more successful. President Carter had a great saying. It says the fundamentalist can't bring himself or herself to negotiate with people who disagree with them because the negotiating process itself is an indication of implied equality. I love that. So next And this is all in a book I just wrote, by the way. So if you would like a copy, it should be ready soon. The next one is called positional bargaining. Positional bargaining. Write that down. This is the type of bargaining most familiar to the average person. It can occur when like haggling over the price of an item at a yard sale or creating a peace treaty between two nations, right? It's the same thing. Each side adopts a position fights for it, and then ultimately makes concessions until an agreement is reached. Imagine a conversation between a consumer and the owner of a, let's say, I don't know, used furniture store, right? The Customer says, this lamp is interesting. How much are you asking for it? Well, the owner is going to say, well, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? I'd be willing to take a hundred bucks for it. The customer says, are you serious? There's a big scratch on it. I can give you 25 bucks. Well, the owner says, well, I'll entertain serious offers, but that's not serious. Customer says, okay, I'll pay you 30 bucks. Owner says, I accept 80. Customer says, 35. Owner says, I paid more than 35 for it. So on and so forth. In positional bargaining, each party defends a series of positions. As concessions are made. Right. Napoleon Hill wrote a book. And in it, it says, think twice before you speak, because your words and your influence will plant the seed of either success or failure in the mind of the other person. There are disadvantages to utilizing this positional bargaining. You can become locked into your position. By taking a position, you're forced to defend it. By defending it, you become committed to it. The more you claim that you can't change your position, the less ability you have to do so. Your ego becomes involved. If you say you can't go lower than 80 bucks, you're forced to admit that you're a liar if you do so. Positional bargaining is adversarial by nature. We naturally want to win. Future negotiations can be negatively affected by the outcome of the current lo- current negotiation. If you feel you lost this round, you'll be more determined to win the next interaction. Positional bargaining often leaves one party feeling shitty, negative about the interaction. Positional bargaining is a slow process. It might not take long, To argue over the price of a lamp. But positional bargaining can be an efficient, and I said inefficient, process when it takes the stakes to a higher level. For example, management and unions can spend weeks or months arguing over small details of a new contract. One of the tactics commonly used is stalling. One or both parties take an extreme position and refuse to concede in hopes that the other party will ultimately. Give up. Now, see, this can ruin the current relationship. Once each side has chosen a position, reaching an agreement becomes a battle. Each side attempts to force the other to make concessions. Relationships can be destroyed. doesn't support kindness. The emphasis is on winning rather than reaching an agreement, and there's a difference. You've got to reach an agreement that works for both parties. Being kind during positional negotiations leads to poor results for the party attempting to be kind. When the relationship is given priority, one or both parties will be left with poor agreement. When you adopt a soft negotiation style, you're at the mercy of someone that negotiates more firmly. Sorry, the other party is aggressive while you're doing everything you can to avoid a confrontation. Positional negotiating is common, mostly because people don't know how to negotiate. But that is a tactic. It's not the best one. To negotiate with, but it is a tactic. There are several disadvantages to reach an agreement this way. An agreement that meets the needs of both parties is rarely attained. In most cases, at least one party is left bitter about the process. But I'm here to tell you, there is a better way. <laughs> Negotiating in the classic diplomatic sense assumes parties more anxious to agree than to disagree. So here's my solution. It's an enhanced negotiation solution. While positional negotiations are the norm, there are other options that provide better outcomes. By separating the people-related issues from the issues under the negotiation, a better solution can be reached. When you're making or receiving concessions to address the relationship issues, the negotiation process is less effective. It's also important to seek a solution that meets the needs of everyone involved. It's not a process of taking as much as the other party is willing to give. That type of thinking is freaking stupid and short-sighted. Every negotiator in the world has two primary concerns. The issue at hand, whether it's the price of a lamp or the details of a nuclear treaty. There's a reason for the negotiation. Each party has its own reasons for negotiating in the first place. Each site has an objective. The relationship between the two parties, in most cases, there's more at stake than just the central issue. The quality of the relationship is also at stake. You might win the battle with a long-term customer, only to have them find another supplier, because of the nature of your negotiation skills or the results of the negotiations. You might bully your spouse into going on a vacation of your dreams only to suffer the consequences of your tactics over the next six months. The value of relationships between the parties is important to consider. It's too easy to take the position of the other person personally and have it affect the relationship. Positional bargaining requires examination of both the importance of the issues and the importance of the relationship. Concessions are made in one area to emphasize the other. While dealing with your wife, maybe, or your best customer, the relationship will take precedence. For your best results consider a using a little more effective way to negotiate telling you make your life easier deal with the relationship issue directly rather than have the relationship issue intertwined with the reason for the negotiation separate it telling you right now separate it you got to communicate clearly you have to express emotions openly but without blame Let me say that one again. Express emotions openly, but without blame. you got to deal with the challenges others are having by using the psychological techniques. Avoid solving people problems with concessions and negotiations. Focus on prevention. The easiest way to deal with the challenge is to prevent it build and develop a relationship before the negotiation begins. Got to predict the challenges that are likely to occur and develop a strategy to avoid them. Some people go into negotiations cold. Oh, I'll just wing it. No, you've got to have plan. That's why script and role playing and word tracking are so important. It's like the wristband that Tom Brady wears on his arm. The guy is the greatest quarterback ever, but he still has to have wristband there to tell them what to do during the pressure situations. Keep the interest of both parties in mind. Forget about positions. Instead of taking the position and defending it to the death, understand the interest of both sides and seek a satisfying result for both parties. It can be done. This allows for multiple solutions, first of all, rather than just a compromise between two positions that are opposing. Focusing on the interest addresses the primary issue. Just because someone's position is opposite of yours doesn't mean that the interests are opposite to yours. Right? Did you hear what I said? Just because someone's position is opposite to yours doesn't mean their interests are opposite to yours. You've got to identify the interest of the other party. Put your cards on the table and ask the other party what they require. Try to find out why. If negotiating with a union boss, his list might look like something like this. Okay. Uh, We want a three plus percent raise to save face with the union members. We need to decrease. We need a decrease in the health insurance premiums. The cost of the current insurance has risen faster than the salaries have an extra two days of vacation for new employees. The current allotment doesn't allow new employees to take a week-long vacation with their families and have additional time off for personal matters. Okay? So then you share your own interest. In the name of the openness, allow the other party to understand your priorities. You need a stable, well-trained workforce at a reasonable cost. A workforce that is willing to accommodate overtime without insisting that a seniority be the only criteria for filling those time slots. The other, the expertise of the employees come, needs to come first. See, there's some thinking that has to be involved, some planning. It's not a sword fight. Understand their priorities and then share your own before discussing a solution. Now it's time to create a strong position. Question their priorities. Restate their priorities in the form of a question. If you present your proposal first and then justify it, you're not being effective. So what am I saying? Once you propose a solution, the other side is immediately going to begin formulating a response. They're not listening to your reasoning. That's why you let them go first. Explain your priorities and then offer a solution. Imagine saying to your neighbor, hey, I want you to build a fence. Your dog won't stay out of my yard. It poops on my lawn and growls at my kids. Or you could say, my kids are afraid of Fido. He growls at them and it seems like I step in dog shit once a week. My wife is giving me a lot of grief to get this issue resolved. I know that you've spent a lot of time chasing Fido all over the neighborhood. I was thinking that a fence might be a good solution to both of our problems. That's how that should go. Stay focused on the present. The past is irrelevant. What do you need to see happen in the future? Know what you want before beginning negotiations. It's common to start negotiations without an objective in mind. Beginning the process with the sole intention of seeing what the other side is willing to offer is a mistake. Seek solutions that result in a mutual gain. This can be challenging. Each side already believes that it. it's a viable solution. Unfortunately, the solutions are rarely considers the need of the other party everyone believes their solution is the one Avoid starting with preconceived ideas is your perspective objective or is it a clouded by your past experience and opinions? Avoid looking for the only one answer that's out there there are often multiple solutions that are equally good The idea of a single perfect solution can get in the way of meaningful resolution. Be open to multiple solutions. Avoid judging ideas until you have several of them. When you judge each possibility, it inhibits the process. Let the ideas flow. Then you can analyze them and decide if they're suitable. Agree on an objective. Agree on an, ob- an objective criteria. If negotiating a price, agree to search for a fair price. You might provide a figure and justify it. The other party then does the same. The objective isn't to pay the least or to give away the most, it's to find a price that's fair for both parties. Then the solution is arrived objectively rather than through pressure. I'd like to add that the negotiating is not something to avoid or be scared of. It's an everyday part of life. Hey, Bob, where do you want to go to lunch? There's a negotiation. Hey, you want to stop and get donuts? Then there's a conversation and a negotiation. So now we're going to move on to dealing with a hard bargainer. Not everyone will approach a negotiation with your enlightened attitude. Remember, the most of my students of the school of positional bargaining is where they come from. That's the only way they know how to negotiate. Expect the other person to take an aggressive approach. So be prepared because they're not educated on negotiations. They're going to bully their way through it. So they become the hard bargainer. Avoid responding in similar fashion. That'll never get you anywhere. The objective is to bring them over to your way of thinking, not to beat them into submission at their own game. Remember, no one wins at that. There's two losers at the end of that. I know a lot of people that that's their only tactic because they're not prepared. Avoid the urge to teach them a lesson. If you have the best of intentions and believe they do not, it's natural to want to punish them, punch them in the throat, punch them in the mouth. Ask yourself if you want to reach an agreement or be right. Which one do you want? Do you want to reach an agreement or do you want to be right? So you got to focus on establishing ground rules. Explain your theory on negotiating, preferably before the proceedings begin. Try to get everyone on the same page. Address ineffective tactics as they rise. Call them out on the table, man. Explain that you understand their tactic and then explain why it's ineffective. Offer a more effective solution. This is the best time to propose a more effective process. Avoid falling into someone else's trap. Be confident that you have the better way of negotiating and gently move the other person to your way of thinking. Avoid taking anything personal. Maintain your composure and offer practical solutions. Like Lou Holt said, do right, do your best, and treat others as you want to be treated. So, to close this whole episode out, all of this information might seem like common sense, and it is. However, negotiations are rarely undertaken by two parties demonstrating common sense. The two primary obstacles to effective negotiations are ego and greed. There is an innate ego-based need to win that most people can't control. The greed component is the result of erroneous thinking. You'll win the most in the long term if you're able to maintain or improve the existing relationship. Forcing your neighbor to trim his trees is hardly a victory if his resulting anger results in four flat tires on your prized Jeep Wrangler. Find solutions that meet both of your needs leave your ego at the door and consider the importance of the relationship you'll be glad that you did thank you so much i hope you enjoyed this episode on negotiating this is coming out in book form should be ready by the end of april if you would like a copy please contact me through this platform. Whatever one you're listening to, send me a message. If you can't, go to Spotify. you can't, find us on Facebook or Twitter. PNB underscore podcast on Twitter. I will send you a free copy. Negotiating and being educated on negotiations will make your life so much easier in every aspect. I don't care if you're going to garage sales, negotiating a sports contract, whatever these tactics and tools and reminders will help hope you guys have a great day be safe take care sell a bunch and say something nice to somebody
1: you've been listening to the productive not busy podcast with coach wayne join us next time for more money-making strategies to help you have less stress and more free time follow us on facebook at productive not busy on instagram at frontline.coach.wayne and on Twitter at Wayne New Jr. And remember, be productive, not busy.